This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. So I'm here today with Simon, which Simon, I can't believe that we've known each other um, you, you have a beautiful naked life story. We've known each other like in real life now, since you've introduced yourself and I was on your show and everything else. And now you're one of our senior coaches. I've never had you on the podcast. It's like blowing my mind right now. <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah, exactly. Why have we never done this? <laughs> I, I feel like I just have been so intimate with your story that I was like, Oh, you know, everybody knows Simon. And so <laughs> you've, you've spoken at this naked mind live you've written your own book you have your own facebook community you're you know like i said one of our first graduates of this naked mind institute and um we've never like done this because you've just your whole journey is the naked life story so okay why don't you take us way back to the beginning take us back to like your first drink where did it all start for you where did your relationship with alcohol begin i think it began when i was about 14 or 15 years old and i used to my dad actually used to drink red wine this fancy french red wine i remember it It was called beaujolais nouveau and i used to look up to him i used to think it was sophisticated and i I wanted to be just like my dad so i used to pester him for a glass of red wine and i remember he used to let me have a drink with my dinner and then i remember taking the remains of the bottle to my bedroom and around the same time my friends and i were going to the store and getting our hands on drink we used to send in the old, oldest looking member of our gang, get a case of beer and go to a friend's house and sit there for most of the day getting drunk while the parents were out. And we, we live in a military town and there's lots of young, fresh-faced army recruits. So it was so easy to get served in the pubs when we were around 15 or 16 years old. So we were going to the pubs three or four times a week. Nobody even batted an eyelid at the fact that we were so underage. And was there I, lots of kids there or was it just, was it just traditional? No, it, I think it was just a, a, a thing that kind of happened. There was lots of kids from our school doing the same thing. And we thought it was so clever, so grown up to be doing this. And I can remember the pub was maybe, maybe 500, 600 meters from my house. And I can remember walking back from there, weaving down the road and things were spinning where I drank so much beer and, you know, and, I, and the more I had, the the more tolerant I became. Then I was drinking whiskey after the beer and thinking I was so clever. And but yeah, no, it never ever got picked up on. It's unbelievable. And I, I carried on like that for years until I met my girlfriend. And then when I was 25, we moved into our first house together. And I'd say that's when my drinking went to a whole new level, where I was drinking every single day. And I even got kind of possessive about my wine. If I bought a bottle of wine and she had too much of it, I'd have this feeling of, you know, leave leave that alone. That's mine. Don't have too much of it. You know, leave it all for me. So then I started buying two bottles a day. And then I moved on to wine boxes because I could see that she was becoming aware of how much I was drinking. And of course, the wine boxes don't make much noise in the recycling bin and the neighbours don't notice like they do when you put 20 bottles of wine in there. (laughs) And I stuck, I was in that daily cycle for over 20 years, drinking every day. The, the only times I didn't drink was 
I remember I had an operation in hospital or if I was laid up in bed with the flu, they're pretty much the only times. And if I could have, I would have, I just had to have my wine and it ended up having so much power over me. And I was putting it in front of all the really important things in my life. I remember my son asking me to go bowling, to go to the cinema. And I would, I would not want to go because I couldn't stay and drink wine in the evening. And, I was talking to somebody the other day. We went to the races at Ascot, which is, I don't you've probably heard of Royal Ascot. It's like the big races over here. And we, we went to the races for the day a few years ago and we were drinking champagne during the day. And I was purposely not having too much champagne because I had to have my red wine in the evening. I didn't want to be too drunk, so I couldn't enjoy the red wine. As mixed up and confusing as that sounds, that was how I used to behave. I had to have my wine every evening. And it was always a bottle, sometimes two, sometimes three on the sort of rare occasions when I went too far. I suppose I went too far for for a lot of the time anyway. (laughs) And then the last kind of five years where I was in that daily cycle, my anxiety had got really, really bad. I'd got to a point where I was struggling with work. I was worrying about things that weren't even happening. The slightest hint of a complaint from a client or a problem with one of the staff, I was having a meltdown. And I knew I had a problem, but I just didn't know what the hell to do about it. And thankfully, uh, well, not it took five years, but thank and I had that cognitive dissonance for that whole time. That internal conflict was like torture. And then I remember seeing an advert for this naked mind on Facebook, and I didn't act on it the first time. And then I saw it again. And thanks to Facebook, I think I probably saw it three or four times. And I got curious, and I just started. It just started picking away at my mind. And one morning I was sat on my computer and my hands were shaking and they wouldn't stop. And it happened the next day. And that was when I acted on it. That was when I thought I need to pick up your book and see what this is all about. And I just approached it with an open mind. At the time, the thought of quitting alcohol put a knot in my stomach. It literally made me feel sick. There was no way I could go for a day without drinking. And I, I read the book and here we are. It changed my life. You know, it's the only book I've ever read twice in a row. No, oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. So when you were when you were thinking about it, like, tell me more about those five years of like just being in the cognitive dissonance. And and would you try to take breaks? Would you do other things? Were you doing anything actively to try to you know get back in control? Oh yeah, sure. I was doing all sorts of things because I would waver from this feeling of. I don't want to drink to then drinking to blot out the thoughts. I, the, the things I tried was only drinking at the weekends and I'd get through a day and then I'd be back drinking again. And the other thing that actually probably the thing that lasted the longest was watering down my wine. I started off with 25% water, 75% wine, and then gradually built up the water. And, I I actually gave that to someone as a tactic recently because they were really dead set on trying moderation and it can be a bit of a gateway to getting where you want to be. But inevitably I ended up pining for the hard stuff and going back. Yeah. I was feeling deprived and whenever you feel deprived, you're using willpower and willpower wears out as we know. And yeah, so I tried all these tactics and it it really was hard i wasn't happy i wasn't a happy person in my life during that time yeah i've 
since I've been able to break free, I've never been happier. And it's just so awesome. That's amazing. So when, um, so the book, was it just like, okay, you read it and then it was just, that was it? Or was there bumps along the road or how did it work for you? Yeah. When I read the book, by, by the end of it, I really strongly felt like my, my view around alcohol had changed and it, it changed and it really pushed me to look at my beliefs. And I, I, I didn't realize that you could hold beliefs that aren't true. I know it sounds so ridiculous. I thought everything I believed was true. And of course you do. But um, I just started unpicking my beliefs. And by the end of the book, it was, it was as if all my beliefs had been proven wrong. And I kind of felt a little bit silly. Like all these beliefs, they're, they're wrong. And I knew firmly that they were wrong. And then I started to form new beliefs that weren't, weren't going to hold me back, that weren't going to limit me as a person. And I started enjoying the ride. I got so excited about it and so passionate. And I don't think I've ever stopped being excited about it, as you probably know. And I, I was just, by the end of the book, excited to get stuck into an alcohol-free life and see what it held for me. Yeah, I feel like your your excitement and passion is literally contagious. And I think that's what's what's so cool about it. You actually talked about that at this Naked Mind Live, like the idea that um, it becomes contagious. And so what do you what do you mean? Like I want to hear that in your own words. Uh, yeah, I know it is so, so true. I I was talking to somebody last week who had been sober for over 12 months and he hadn't told anybody and he was worried about telling people. And I totally get that. And it has to be what's right for you. I shouted it from the rooftops from day one and told anybody who'd listened, who would listen to me. And I think some people thought I'd turned into some crazy sober preacher. But I found the more I talked about it, the more of a positive kind of pressure it put on me from an accountability perspective. So I kind of thought the more people I tell, the more I can't fail. So that was probably why I was quite open about it. And then I found that people started telling me that they had a problem with their drinking. I was getting messages from friends who I hadn't spoken to since I was at school telling me they were worried about their drinking. How did I quit? What did I do? What's the magic formula? So when I talk about it being infectious, you end up inspiring people when you quit. And I've seen it happen. And I'm sure you have time and time and time again. Oh, and yeah, it, for sure. And it's just so awesome that by you making a change to your life, you can end up helping other people. I mean, I never set out to help other people. I just didn't want to die before the age of 50. And I think I'm going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> That's just awesome. Um, I, you told me early on that it was just the cutest thing. You're, you said that your son, um, he was like, oh, well, now I've stopped drinking soda pop because I'm on my own sort of experiment. <laughs> Yeah, and he's unbelievably, he's still doing it. So when I quit, I downloaded an app called I Am Sober to count the days. And I know that they work for some people and they don't for others. So anyone who's thinking of counting the days should, should check them out and see how they find them. And I told him about it. And a few days later, he came running into the kitchen and he was like, Dad, Dad, I've downloaded the I Am Sober app. And I said, why have you downloaded that you don't drink alcohol you're i think he was 13 years old at the time and he said well dad you've quit drinking 
I'm not going to drink soda. I'm not going to drink fizzy drinks any longer. And he, he has had a couple of slip ups with Dr. Pepper, but other, pretty much he has remained on path and on track and he's still got that app on his phone. And we, we, we mentioned it, it was about a month or two ago. We he mentioned it again, cause I offered him a Coke and he was like, no dad, I don't, you know, I don't drink that stuff. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. So awesome. But on the, t- the other thing I feel, I was, talk- I was talking to somebody about kids um, earlier this morning, actually. And I, I, a few people have said to me that they worry that they, their children are perhaps older teenagers or in their 20s. And you know, the, the parent has drunk for years and they just feel that the damage has been done. So even if they quit drinking, it, nothing's going to change. They've caused all this damage. And I so strongly disagree with that. You know, my son saw me drink every single day of his life, yet he's also seen me quit and he's seen me go through it and he's seen me come out the other side. And I've asked him which version he prefers and he absolutely prefers the sober version of me. And, I, and we've connected and we've talked openly about everything. And I feel like he's learned things about alcohol that he can't unlearn. And he's kind of, I feel like I've set him up for success on his own journey. And I'm sure he'll experiment with booze like kids do, like teenagers do. But I feel like he knows something that perhaps other teenagers don't know. And he's armed with the facts to make a kind of sensible choice and a sensible decision. Oh, that's so awesome. And I feel like too, it's just, we always say this and it's, it's such a hard truth for people to hear because there's so much cognitive dissonance attached to it, but people do what you do, not what you say, especially when it comes to your kids. Like there's power in what you do, not what you say. And I, I feel like, you know, for so long, it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to tell them to be this way or tell them to be careful or tell them this. But like, if, if you're not doing it, and then once you start doing it, I don't, I don't think I realized how true that was until we changed because we never changed. I mean, my kids are pretty young, younger than um, Robin. And, and it's like, he was my son 11 now. And so he would have been, I guess, five or six. And so I, I never set out to be like, okay, like now I want to educate you on this, but what he's kind of absorbed by osmosis, just like being there is crazy. And it just makes me really realize, wow, that's, that's really true. I mean, it's a hard truth when you're doing stuff that you don't want your kids to be doing. It's, it's really hard to come face to face with that, but it can also be super motivational. I mean, you can also take it as like a huge motivation. Yeah. And absolutely. Yeah. And that's uh, yet another reason to move into an alcohol free life because no kid will, you know, when was the last time you did something when somebody preached it to you? You know, we, you, the immediate reaction is to kind of do the opposite thing. And that, the other thing that's interesting is the number of young adults who are actually seeing alcohol as their parents' drug. And you know, in the UK here, apparently one in three young people are turning their back on alcohol. And I think they're getting into vaping and smoking weed and things like that. Which obviously, that's a whole nother topic. But it, it's interesting how a lot of them perceive it as their parents' drug. But it, it still is a massive, massive issue. And we, you're absolutely right. We, we, we do we don't do what we're told we kids copy what their parents do so true yeah nobody takes advice that they don't ask for as well and i think that once you have made a change when like when your kids decide that they want to try it um you know they're going to ask for advice based on like how how they feel with you how their relationship is with you and 
I know for me, my relationship with my kids has drastically improved. And, and so my chances of being the one, they may ask for advice. Like, you know, you can't <clears throat> influence people. We just don't do that as humans. Like if, if somebody gives you unsolicited advice, like it's, yeah, I don't want that. It makes the person giving the advice feel like, well, at least I said something, but it doesn't, it doesn't make any change. Right. Yeah, exactly. And as, as you know, my, son Robin has faced some challenges around his gender and around his sexuality and do you know I, I often think about this you know the drink in me I would have buried my head in the sand if, if this had come up I, I wouldn't have connected with him I probably wouldn't have been a very good dad and I feel like I've been the best dad I can be and we've been on a journey together you know I've kind of had my arm around his shoulder looking out for him and we've connected over it. And we've, you know, we've had fun on, on that journey and it's been amazing. And all of that from just quitting alcohol. Yeah, that's so, that's so cool. So I want to ask you about um, something that you've been saying lately that I just think is the coolest. And I've, I've even been stealing it a little bit because like the, the premise of it is so spot on to me. And it's this idea. Um, and I know you're going to, well, first of all, let me just say that talk about excitement and and enthusiasm, like what, what Simon has done since reading this Naked Mind. I mean, you've written your own book, you started your own group, you've like led all these, like, it's crazy. Like just so, so amazing, the ripple effect that one person can have from a pay it forward perspective. So you're speaking at, um, at Club Soda and you're talking about this idea of, of liquid vegan. And I, I'd love you to talk about that because I just think the idea is so cool. It's my catchphrase for 2020. And I mentioned it in the live Q&A in the alcohol experiment on Tuesday. And I've had people emailing me asking if we can get t-shirts made up with liquid vegan on it. And the thinking behind it is that someone who's vegan is proud, passionate, and super enthusiastic about the lifestyle that they've chosen for themselves. They're not sat in the corner crying because they can't have dairy, because they can't have meat they are absolutely you know, wearing that badge and they, they're serious about their lifestyle and it's a lifestyle choice. And to me, that is exactly how an alcohol-free life looks. So I call it liquid veganism or liquid vegan because that, if we approach it with that mindset, the mindset of veganism, you smash it. You absolutely smash it. I did a video on YouTube called Why We Need to Think Like a Vegan and that was where it kind of came from. But it's become my 2020 catchphrase. Last year it was sobriety is infectious. This year it's liquid veganism. I love that. That's so fun. And it's so fun to have a catchphrase. And I, you know, I feel like um, it's so true because we don't, if somebody's a vegan, you don't have the same, my, my brother um, is a vegan and I, I never have the like, oh, I'm not going to order a hamburger in front of him. Right. Like, because yeah. I don't, I don't feel like I'm going to tempt him to have a hamburger like he has he has no temptation around meat because he's approached it in a way that i was like yeah maybe at one point he thought it tasted good but like he's so thoroughly changed his belief around meat that it is repulsive to him to think about eating something that came from an animal to think about you know and so it, there's not any emotional snag and i i like that and it it does come in his attitude it doesn't come from anything else but his perspective and his communication about why he's done it and his attitude, which is just. Yeah. And that's exactly, I hadn't actually thought about that. You wouldn't order, you know, you wouldn't stop to think, well, I won't order a hamburger around somebody who's vegan because they're not going to have a problem with it because it's their choice and they're totally comfortable in their own skin and the decisions that they've made. But it's amazing how that 
catchphrases kind of resonated with so many people just by you know, I posted it on Instagram and mentioned it in the alcohol experiment group and a lot of people really resonated with it and felt that it clicked so it's an it's a, a good concept and hopefully one that will make people think about things a bit differently the fact that this isn't about deprivation this is a, a this can be a fun journey you know you can make a better life for yourself and you know we see people every day who are walking talking evidence of that and you know people who are living the life their life as their best self and you know, i am you are and thousands of other people are and you know we're thinking like liquid vegans and it, it really it really is true yeah that's that's just awesome i love that so let me let me wrap up and ask um the question that I always ask kind of at the end, which is like, if you were going to go back in time and I noticed you recently posted on your Instagram, which is, is it, is it at be sober and quit? Yeah. At, yeah, be, at sober be sober and quit. And quit. Yeah. Simon posts great stuff, super inspirational. So follow him at, at be sober and quit. Um, but if you were going to go back and talk to, you posted pictures of your past self. And if you, and you actually, it's so funny because this is a question that I, I'm always asking at the end of the podcast and I feel like you're really well prepared, but if you're going to go back and, and really tell them about what life is like now, um, what would you tell them? What life is like now? Wow. I, uh, I don't know if I am prepared for that. I, I would, I mean, my life now is if I could go back and talk to the old version of me, the, the words that come to mind are peace calm clarity in my life you know and you know that is very much how I feel like sort of mentally resilient and tough these days but definitely peace and calm would be the the big things in terms of how life is now and the thing I posted on Instagram I can't believe you sort of asked that question because I actually posted today with some pictures of me with hair when I was a lot younger and and one of them was awful it was a picture of when I was 18 with a can of beer in my hand and a hangover <laughs> at 10 o'clock in the morning um, but I said, what, what would you say to yourself if you could go back and speak and speak to the younger version of yourself? Like what piece of advice? And I was, cause I was sort of thinking to myself, I would kind of tell myself not to worry about what everybody thinks of you, you know, do things for, for me instead of doing things for everybody else, which is something that I've been quite guilty of in the past, you know, not being able to say no to things, always being a kind of yes person to try and please people. So that was, that was the other thing. And I think it's quite an interesting exercise for people to do, to actually say, what would you say to the younger you? What would you, what would, as you said, what would you tell the younger you about your life right now, how much better it is and what you've changed or how much better it can be? So, so I, I, I love that question and I love those sort of posts as well. Oh, that's so awesome. That is so great. So um, what else? Is there anything else you want to share with everybody? Um, not a great deal. I mean, we, you, you mentioned the book. It's so awesome. I mean, you wrote the foreword to it. So I'm so grateful for you doing that. And, um, you know, loving working in the alcohol experiment groups at the moment. My, my wife, funny enough, I don't know if you saw it, but I did an interview with my wife on YouTube um, which was how does your partner feel when you quit drinking and it was really interesting to get some perspective from her about how it felt when your partner quit and she's subsequently working her way through the alcohol experiment she's doing dry january to see how it feels for her and and 
you know, I always, as you do, you know, just urge people to take it as an experiment. You know, it's not a challenge, it's an experiment. Just see what comes up for you and discover something amazing about yourself. So yeah. that's, pro that's probably all I've got to say, because you know, otherwise I'll talk for the rest of the day. <laughs> well, it's such a pleasure to have you. I can't believe that we haven't done this yet. So thank you so much. For yeah, we've done it now at last. <laughs> Yay. So great. I'm so glad that everybody gets to hear more about your journey and your story and, and just see your enthusiasm firsthand. It's just amazing. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm honored to do it and I'm glad we've got it done. Awesome. Thanks. Let me ask you a question. What is better than change? <laughs> Lasting change, of course. And if you've had trouble making change stick, either with alcohol or in any other area of your life, you are in for a treat. I created the 100 Days of Lasting Change to ensure that we don't just change for a moment, but we truly transform for a lifetime. And this program is so close to my heart. Thousands of people have been through it and their results are incredible. But don't take my word for it. Check it out at thisnakedmind.com forward slash 100 days. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.